0: Thank you very much, Pastor Jeff. I know it's been beneficial and a blessing for me to, to work on learning that, uh, that psalm uh, over the last uh, several weeks, and I commend that to you. This, for the sermon this morning, I would invite your notes if you want to fill in the blanks, or at the bottom you can take additional notes for the, the sermon. The answers will be uh, on the screen as we go through the, the sermon today. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your presence here among us. Thank you for once again being able to look into the book of Psalms into this particular one, for you to speak to us. We pray that we would be sensitive to the voice of your spirit, and that it would reflect in changes in our lives. Through Christ we pray. Amen. The book of Psalms is composed of 150 total chapters of the book. And this particular book is divided into five books, five separate books. And this is the first psalm, Psalm 107, that we will be looking at today. The first part of that is the first of the last book, and that continues through Psalm 150. So 107 to 150, and most Bibles have it marked that it is Book 5. Now when we study the Scriptures, we also need to see the material, or to look at the material, and the emphases uh, surrounding the particular Scripture that we're looking at. So Psalm 105, before this psalm, Psalm 105 tells of God choosing and nurturing Israel. And then Psalm 106 talks of God's forbearance and God's love and God's grace, even as Israel was stubborn and did not obey. This psalm that we're looking at today describes the redemption of God's people from exile and from distress and emphasizes that we as God's people are embraced by the love and the mercy of God that we are embraced as the translators have put this particular word that we are embraced by the steadfast love and there's one word that we'll talk about later in the sermon in the Hebrew that we can it's hard to to translate all the nuances that that word means in the, in the Hebrew. This, we're, this psalm is a communal thank-offering to God, probably used as the exiles were coming home from where they had been dispersed as they were coming back to the land of Israel after being scattered among the nations. So we'll look at... Psalm 103, 107, in the first three verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those who he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. So this psalm begins with a challenge and an instruction to give thanks to God. And the theme of God's steadfast love is introduced very early in this psalm, is introduced in the last part of the first verse. And the people are instructed to give thanks and praise to God for the love that continues to be poured out upon all the pilgrims as they return home from the lands that they had been dispersed to. They are gathering now as a result of God's goodness and the gracious love and the steadfast mercy of God. Verse 2 and 3. Those who redeemed, he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now the number four... That is a very important number in the scriptures. That number signifies completeness, completeness. The number seven in the scriptures signifies purity and, and perfection, where this number four symbolizes completeness. And here the four directions of the globe are indicated, from the east and the west and the north and the south, that the pilgrims are gathering and are coming home to their own country that God had promised to them so very long ago. And so it also in this passage, the psalmist then uses another number four, another occasion for four, and that is of four cases of people who need to give thanks to God for the love and the mercy of God. As one studies this passage, each situation has the same outline, the same outline as we look at these four cases that the psalmist identifies. First, there is the trouble. Secondly, the cry to God and then deliverance. And then lastly, the instruction to offer thanks and praise to God, to give thanks to God for God's deliverance and the final verse in each situation is a reprise on the particular the particulars of the divine intervention a review of what happened here and the children of Israel and each of us are instructed to give thanks and praise to God for what God has done as we've experienced deliverance from the difficulties of life so moving then to verses Four to 9 in the first case. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So this first case is those who have been traveling in the desert and are lost in these trackless wastelands. And they are tired. And they're seeking shelter. They're seeking a place where a land that is a, a city that is inhabited. And these tired and near death wanderers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord saved them. And as Bruggeman and Bellinger point out, these are, these are two commentators or two authors that wrote a commentary. They say that the two terms, cry and deliver, and now between them no space, there's no pause, no anxiety, and no bargaining, and no uncertainty. In other words, they cried out to God, and the commentators are saying they, God immediately responded. There's no bargaining with God, no pleading. They cried out to God, and God responded. Let's go then to verses 10 to 16, the second case. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God, God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor, and they stumbled, and there was no one to help. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and they saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and some And broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So the second case is those who are in darkness, those who are languishing in prison, and their lot is described in verse 12. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. They also cried out to God in verse 13. Then they cried out to God, to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Those who have been in prison and who are in the chains and the dungeons and the darkness in prison. Verses 17 then to 22, the third case. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So this third case is those who are dealing with physical afflictions, those who are dealing with sickness. And in in the Hebrew times, It was thought that if one was dealing with illness and sickness, that it was due to the sin in a person's life. We see this in the book of Job, where Job's friends gathered around Job and were convinced that Job needed to come clean and to confess and and to share what sin he he was committing. They were absolutely certain that Job was hiding some sin. Again, the psalmist says those who are ill cried out to God. In verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. And then the fourth case in verses 23 to 32. Some went out on the sea in ships and they were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storms to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the counsel of the elders. So in this last case, the last case the psalmist presents is those who are doing business, those who have traveled to the sea and the shipping lanes of the sea. And as they are doing their business, as they are going about their works on the sea, they encounter the violent storms and, and the psalmist aptly describes it as they are like drunkards as they're trying to stay, stay upright in the violent storm. In verse 27, they reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. And this group of desperate persons, this group of persons on the sea and uh, experiencing the violent storms of the sea were also crying out to God. In verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their, from out of their distress. So the psalmist challenge us, challenges us to thank the Lord when we are delivered from trouble. As we experience the graciousness and the goodness of God, as we experience the troubles of this life and we are delivered, then we give praise and thanksgiving to God. Now, in our day, we, too, face the storms and stresses of life. In our day, we, too, can experience being wanderers in the desert wastes, trying to simply get through life to come and to experience the face of God, to make it, we might say, to make it home to God, to experience the commendation of the Lord when the Lord says to us, to the the weary travelers, welcome home, or well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Lord. Today, today in our culture, in Western culture particularly, we are taught to pull, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We are taught to be successful in our work by the hands of our own power without relying, particularly without relying on anyone else. We are taught to go it alone. Again, quoting Brueggemann and Bellinger. We are taught to be self-made persons. No need to cry to God for help, and consequently, no need to thank God for anything. They say, seldom, if ever, does it occur to us that human life depends on God. And therefore, in our lives, when things go wrong, when we are faced with a prison sentence, when we lose direction, and when we, too, wander in the trackless waste, when we, too, are wandering in the desert and are looking for an inhabited town, when we too find ourselves in need of direction, in need of God's guidance. Yet, our culture says, somehow we muddle through, to muddle through it simply as best as we can. But in contrast, in contrast to that thinking, the psalmist suggests that we need to call out to the Lord the God who rescues us, the God who hears our cry, that we call by the Spirit of God to God. Paula DeArcy has written a couple books, and she was widowed back in 1975 when her husband and her young daughter were killed in a car accident involving a drunk driver. Paula was remarried in 1987, and she writes, quote, The decision to marry again had been hopeful, but the experience had not played out easily. There were so many factors. I postponed our engagement once because I had reservations. But I had let myself be convinced that my reservation was unreasonable and only the product of my own fear, but she writes and she describes her marriage this way. She says, In reality, I was living with verbal, emotional, and mental abuse, but I could not have named it at the time. She decided to file for divorce, and when she did that, she turned a new page in her journal, and she wrote, God is not an idea. I let those words confront me. God is a reality. God is a real power. And I exist because of that power, but I have to be willing to know it. End of quote. So Paula learned that she could tap into the power of God. As she cried out to God, she recognized that God was with her on this difficult journey. She was ready to call on God to deal with this abusive marital situation. Yes, I believe that it is God's intention for marriage to last a lifetime. Yet we are aware that we live in a sinful world where marriages come apart. We live in a sinful world where there's abuse taking place. And we live in a sinful world where, yes, divorces even happen among believers. In the midst, in the midst of trouble and difficulty, in the midst of the difficulties and the stresses of life, the psalmist proclaims that we are embraced, that God gathers his arms around us, that we are embraced by God's love, by God's steadfast love and mercy. Whether we're trying to find our way through the wilderness whether we are in prison due to our own moral or legal failure, whether we are facing and dealing with illness and disease and the infirmities that come with aging, we are invited, the psalmist invites us, challenges us in any situation to cry out to God for deliverance. And then, as we experience God's deliverance, perhaps in ways that we don't understand, We give thanksgiving to God. In each situation, in each situation, in verse 8, 15, 21, and 31, in those four cases, the persons in the midst of the dilemma, in the midst of the case, are instructed to thank God for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Going back to the word that I alluded to in my introduction, the word that is hard to translate into English from the Hebrew is the word kesed. There's no one English word, it's like similar to the word shalom, where there's no one English word that picks up all all the nuances. And of course we have this as one translates from one language to another. Of the 247 times that this word kesed meaning steadfast love, of the 247 times in the Old Testament where this word is found, 127 are found in the book of Psalms. Forgiveness, forgiveness is part of the divine keset. James Waltner says, as the refrain of Psalm 136 insists, God's steadfast love endures forever. And that's repeated over and over in that that, um, chapter. Chesed is God's readiness to help and save in every situation and every place of distress and suffering. Steadfast love has been understood as God's covenant love, but that love is boundless and loves no matter what the circumstance or response. End of quote. Now, how do we apply How do we apply this? That's where the rubber hits the road. How do we we translate this into our day and our time? I suggest three takeaways. The first is that we turn a deaf ear to the mandate of our culture to be self-sufficient. Instead, in contrast to that mandate, we, as sisters and brothers in Christ, we recognize that we need each other, and we recognize also that we need God. We cannot, cannot make it on our own. We need the assistance of God and of our sisters and brothers. I normally don't watch the Today Show, but I was reminded this uh, of, was it last Monday, where Kathy Lee Gifford was on the Today Show, and I watched that that segment. And she gave a very moving, heartwarming uh, testimony about her husband, Frank Gifford. And she was also, by the end of her her time as she spoke, she was very clear that all of us need the presence and the love of Christ in our lives. And if you haven't seen it, you can Google it and find that from the date of last Monday, uh, the 17th. Secondly, the second takeaway, we respond with gratitude and thanks to being embraced by the love of God. Praise is more general, but when, as we experience God's love and being embraced by God's love, we give, offer our thanks to God. As we experience the profound rescue from difficult circumstances, as we experience healing and getting better, from a disease, we give thanks to God. And the Hebrew word for thanks means to confess or to narrate, to tell the story. These two commentators suggest that it means to tell the story of one's gratitude by retelling the story of need and rescue, end of quote. And as we tell the story, and as we retell the story, as we do that, We give credit to God. We give praise and blessing to God. The third takeaway. Once again in this psalm, the congregation is involved, similar to the other psalms, the congregation is involved in giving thanks. Particularly in verse 32. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the of the elders so it's not just a god and i connection a god and me just the two of us but here the psalmist is suggesting that the when we experience deliverance when we experience the blessing of god that we share that that we share our journey with the sisters and brothers. In one of the congregations where I served as pastor, uh, a member of the congregation, a woman confided in me that she was experiencing a medical test. I was going to go through this medical test to see whether the situation was serious or not that she was, that she was facing. Now this person was a very private person and she did not want me, was, I was not free to share this news with the with the congregation. So she underwent the test and when the test uh, came back that there was not a cause for concern then she did indeed share the good news with the congregation. Now it seems to me it would have been better for her to be able to to share that and allow the congregation to walk with her on the entire journey rather than just rejoicing at the end. Nancy Kaufman is one of the denominational ministers of Mennonite Church USA and she recently experienced the unexpected death of her husband Joel and for those of you that read Mennonite periodicals uh, Joel was the cartoonist and he was the creator of Pontus Puddle in a number of uh, periodicals that appeared uh, in Mennonite periodicals over the last several years and as she she now is has written a blog about her experience, and she wrote, God continues to be steadily by my side through the faith community, through memories, through scripture, prayer, and in so many other ways, preparing the way to live into my new reality. And then she goes on to say, though I have been questioning God, I have been reminded over and over again that God, God does not abandon, but provides all that is needed to deal with whatever comes our way. End quote. God does not abandon. God does not abandon us. God in his steadfast love, God in his chesed His steadfast love and mercy walks with us in the complete circumstances of our lives that four signifies. Let us, my sisters and brothers, as a result of this sermon, give thanks and praise to God for God's precious love and mercy. Amen.